This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Friday, February 24th, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. You can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family still have the MyPillow version 2.0s launching on the website. In addition, I'm wearing my version 2s of the Arlindells today, the My Slippers. We've got My Dog Beds. Pick up a My Robe and Giza Dream Everything when you enter promo code STAKE at checkout. MyPillow.com. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. You enter promo code STAKE here, you're getting 15% off your order. 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative, one 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, got Raheem's out in the mail yesterday, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show at Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Welcome, Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 216. I'm Ron. Noah's here. Yo. Guys, we've got a great show. Cash Patel's going to be here a little bit later. We're going to be sitting down with Dr. Peter McCullough. Before we get into any of that, let's jump right into the news. Tonight, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, is on the ground in Ohio. Its stated mission to make sure Norfolk Southern does everything to fix the toxic mess caused by one of its trains flying off the tracks. The move follows three weeks of angry pleas from residents of East Palestine that the company, the agency, and the President of the United States are simply not doing enough. Think of the former president visiting there tomorrow. Look, I don't know exactly what he's planning to do there, especially since his administration was anti-regulation and pro-industry every step of the way. 
Uh, I mean, there are a number of cases where uh, regulations, including safety regulations and regulations that related to rail, uh, were either watered down or frozen in place by his administration. Uh, but uh, I don't know what he's planning to do there. I do know that we have work to do that we've been underway on from day one of this situation. And uh, while, you know, the, the politics will come and go and, and the grandstanding will come and go, we will be there for the long haul to make sure that this community is supported and to make sure that there's more accountability for the railroad industry in this country. Not even the expectation of these guys doing their jobs. You know, Pete has no business in that position, but you know, he's the guy that had no business running for president, but they let him do that because he was gay and they check off a box. Uh, and then he didn't win. So, but well, he's the gay guy. So we got to give him something. Let's make him transportation secretary. What does he know about it? Nothing. His failure after failure, after failure, are truly affecting the American people. And uh, from Ed and Karen in uh, in what American Sunrise uh, to the War Room, Charlie Kirk, uh, Posobiec, you've had the great Ben Burkholm out there. Ben had to punch; he had to go back. He's heading to the border right now. Uh, Savannah Hernandez, by the way, Real America's Voice, Fox did not cover President Trump's talk. Now, this talk was not more than I think fifteen minutes. It was very gracious, very caring. Fox did not cover a second of that. Donald Trump, when he's unleashed in a crowd of people, he's pretty unbelievable. If you haven't seen the tape of him ordering at McDonald's in East Palestine, treat yourself. He wows everyone in the room. Again, you don't have to love Trump to know he's really good at this, and it's real. I mean, he feels it. That's why he's so good at it. So he's a huge threat. But in a normal country, in a democracy, you would let voters decide whether they want him to run the country again. But no! Partisan prosecutors at all levels, state and federal, are trying to prevent him from running for president again. Everybody willing to accept free food from Trump. I'll take care of it. All right? We're going to take care of it. And for the firehouse, all the guys at the firehouse, we're going to send it to them. Free food, okay? So I know this yep. menu better than you do. I probably know it better than anybody in here. Uh, we're going to take care of the fire department. Okay. We're going to take care of the police department. All across my country, in big cities and small towns, Ukrainian flags fly from American homes. What's your message to Joe Biden before you leave? Thank you. Get over here. Yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, those were some of the sounds throughout the course of the week, culminating with Donald Trump's visit to East Palestine, Ohio, on Wednesday. And this is Steak for Breakfast. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. Guys, don't forget to follow us across every social media out there, Instagram, Twitter, Getter, Truth Social. Just type in Steak for Breakfast Podcast. You'll find our account. More importantly, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your shows, subscribe to ours. Give it a listen, a little bit of a rating, maybe even leave a review. And don't forget to turn on the notification bell so you know when all the new stuff from Steak for Breakfast is dropping. Like the bonus episode we gave you on Wednesday of this week with uh, our one-on-one interview with Darren Beatty, which was awesome. Noah? Yeah, it was solid. And then we had the Trump visit on Wednesday. So what did you think, Noah? Uh, you know, whenever you didn't – well, first of all, you, it was hard to hear about it in the legacy media. Obviously, you didn't hear very many clips from anybody because minimal commentary, even in conservative news. Uh, no live coverage of his speaking event, which I think was like 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like – Everybody's been hammering Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden, so Donald Trump tries to offer what a lot would consider a plausible solution, show up. Give him shit. Provide support, even emotionally, pay for a couple McDoubles, 
and get out of Dodge. Nothing. Crickets. Well, it's because none of those other fuckers were going to show up anytime in the near future. He literally pushed them into having to come. Like, whether you want to believe it or not, like, them them not showing up and, like, trying to claim, like, Buttigieg Dodge in that uh, in that clip. Oh, well, from day one, we've been, uh, you know, working on this, and we're here for the long haul. It's like, really, dude? Train puns right now? And he's been getting fact-checked left and right, even by people within the Biden regime. So I've got a couple more for him. Nice. We touched on it a little bit because there was an article from Politico that said him circling back to anti-regulation stances that Donald Trump had on the transportation industry while he was the president. Let me guess, false. It is false, and I went and did a little bit more of a deep dive. So Donald Trump did deregulate some of the things that have to do with taking care of the infrastructure with trains. It was more for the more modern coasters. Mm Mm-hmm. And trains that are along, like, the coastal paths as well. So so maybe, like, the guy doesn't have to come out with a Q-tip and wipe the rail down after every train goes by, that kind of regulation? Have you seen some of the videos that have come out from, like, rural parts of Ohio? Oh, Jordan, like, where it looks like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's wild. But uh, fact of the matter is, Mayor Pete's in charge. He's completely unqualified for his job. He's more than two years in. He's got a Carhartt uh, vest, though, and it's orange. He did have one of those on yesterday, which which was pretty funny. They, they found literally the gayest vest you could ever wear to a construction site and threw it on Mayor Pete, which was filled with white people, so I know he was probably triggered. Nice. Uh, did anybody else Photoshop the rest of the village people in the picture? <laughs> no, that's a good point. But, you know, the, the thing is, let's not forget the big one here. We've already dumped... Over a trillion dollars, supposedly, into infrastructure. But maybe, like, all the things the Biden regime does, like how we're donating everything, including pretty much, figuratively, the kidneys of the American people over to the war in Ukraine, which we're going to touch on later. Uh, Where is this money going? 20% of everything we're giving it to Ukraine, military-wise, is making it to the front lines, is maybe 20% of the money we're putting aside for infrastructure or that was allotted or appropriated for infrastructure, Mm -hmm. making it to the railways. Maybe it's only getting cleaned up and... Major cities, Democrat-run cities, and in places like Ohio, where when you saw the people that came out for Mayor Pete yesterday... Well, they have to clean up the train tracks because all the bums are using them to travel. That's true. That is quite true. Remember those little things from the old movies where they would like... (laughs) Like, oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, But yeah, it's, it's where is this money going? What are we doing with it? And how great is diversity... Equity and inclusion working Ugh. for us here domestically right now. Susan Rice, I'm talking to you. A lot of people uh, didn't get to hear portions of President Trump's speech yesterday, but I did pull some clips because I think it's important. You know, it, listen, Donald Trump likes golf. He likes his occasional fast food, loves Diet Coke, but he likes hanging out in the polo with the red hat and the, and the you know, the pleated golf pants. He doesn't like getting all bundled up and going into like the middle of nowhere like he did yesterday. To say this was a photo op or him, all the information that I'm getting now, the noise coming out of the Trump campaign is the Biden administration, especially when it comes to helping out the American people, have been so just not give a shit about it. When we have major incidents like this, if they're just going to completely ignore it like it never happened and tell everybody everything's still, oh, don't worry about the toxic train disaster in Ohio, they only have like 5,000 residents in their town. And they probably didn't vote for us. Exactly. Think about how great the economy is. Think about how we're winning the war in Ukraine. Wait, the economy's great? According to them, it's fucking fantastic. Perfect. But, you know... Well, the economy in that town? Mm, 
Probably not so much right now. Mm. Probably get some cheap real estate though. Don't drink the water. I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay. Yeah. It's like, you know, though, when they have the real estate listings and it's like, there's a well on property with water rights. You're like, yeah, no, thanks. The, the Simpsons have predicted so much. I'm waiting for the three eyed fish. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was n- nuclear though, right? That's true. So we have to wait for the next disaster. I mean, when when you think about all the stuff that's happening right now, if you if you don't at least suspect that we're there's a coordinated attack coming from the inside of the country, mm-hmm. whether it's the unmitigated uh, immigration with who knows who coming in that you know the Godways that really didn't want to be apprehended or come through the asylum process, like it, I mean, if he dies, he dies. There you go. But getting back to my original point. This was not a photo op for Donald Trump. This was not like uh, in 18 months from now, people are going to remember this and vote for me if they weren't at this moment in time. None of that stuff like fits into like a rational equation. This was the Trump team sat. Now, remember, you don't think a McChicken's going to make somebody vote for you? Oof. Maybe some nuggies. Mm. February 3rd is when this happened. It's currently the 24th of February. But the Trump team went back and, and they sat and watched how casually and nonchalantly the Biden administration responded to this, which was nothing. You know, well, first what they did was they tried to uh, say it wasn't a big deal. And then there was the mushroom cloud. Jeez. Then came the memes. And then they tried to blame it on the rail company. But because of their enormous backers, they weren't going to take it. And when Donald Trump started to make public comments, that's when the EPA got reinvolved and said, OK, maybe we'll. Look at this ecological disaster a little bit harder than we did the first That's time. Which, so ridiculous which, that they which, like, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna ban people from chroming bumpers, yeah. but this is fine. They're sitting there watching this, and the Trump team is saying, "There's absolutely no fucking way no one's gonna show up." Like sending Michael Reagan, who's the head of the EPA, another completely uh, just 100% virtue hire, like gay African American male who knows nothing about his job and didn't know anything on how to answer the question. He sounded worse than DeWine. And the Trump team's like, there's no freaking way. So then they even put out the bait. Donald Trump announces a week from when he goes out, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and, and, and see what's going on. It seems like these people are hurting. I'm going to go. They didn't even try to beat him there. In the meantime, they're like, anybody could show up. Joe Biden could land for 10 minutes, take a couple pictures, look around, sniff a kid, and be gone. And then he could just say, well, I went... Well, we're, we're taking care of this, and kids. I was there. You can't sniff the kids. There might be some of the residue on their hair. Good, my goodness, but no, nothing. And they allowed Donald Trump to steal this moment, which I think is a uh, its a very real moment. It's not the people there yesterday. There was a guy. You and he find, paid for all the shit that was in the containers. Yeah, he brought over 14,000 bottles of Trump water, and he said he brought some of the one from the store, which isn't as good, <laughs> but it's still clean water. Uh, this is this is water from the toilets at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, <laughs> medical supplies, um, non-perishable food, yeah. and like things like paper towels, diapers, wipes. He just loaded up Trump Force One and flew it over on his own dime. And then you see people on the oh yeah, well the guy's a billionaire. He should be able to give this. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? I was watching. He, he's a billionaire. He, so the EPA has funding. Yeah, that's their job. Just for disasters. FEMA. Yeah. No, not the for dis- FEMA. FEMA. For, for disasters. Well, both of them. They, yeah. they, they have crisis management uh, allocations. Yeah. There was a guy who was filming the motorcade coming down. And, and, and I mean, listen, there's only 4,600 people in the town. So you got to think like maybe a third of them showed up. But it was still a lot of people. It was nasty weather, like really cold, blowing rain, probably acid rain. And this guy's like 
taking a selfie of himself while the motorcade's coming. He's getting emotional. I'm getting emotional watching him get emotional. And then the, the car drives by and everybody's like, yeah. And he's, it was just like, it was, it was old school campaign. Mm-hmm. It, it was a really good, uh, as Darren Beatty put it earlier in the week, inflection point that Donald Trump was able to positively seize the moment and uh, moving forward. And when it comes to whether pos- positively seizing the moment, he's not seizing the moment as a political ploy either. Right. It's He actually gives a shit. That's the difference because these people in government do not give a fuck about you. Oh, and, and the media cares even less. Yeah. And, and do you think anybody was going to give him credit for it? So it's like every time Donald Trump goes and does something, whether or not you like him, whether or not you voted for him, whether or not at this point you plan on voting for him in 2024, Yes. just ask yourself this question. What does he really have to gain by Donald Trump had nothing to gain by going to East Palestine, Ohio? No. Nothing. And uh, yeah, risking being exposed to acid rain. Yeah. Spending a bunch of money on not only acquiring all this shit, but transporting it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me a break. I don't know if you heard he uh, in part of our cold open montage, he, he picked up a little bit of the tab, which was the entirety of it. He paid for the entire police department, fire department, and every single person that came to the restaurant when he was there ate on him. Nice. Yeah, it was great. So uh, we are going to play a couple excerpts from the speech. Uh, I think it's really important that you guys hear it. He was flanked by some of his closest confidants as well. Don Jr. was there. Dan Scavino was there. And uh, Ohio Senator J.D. Vance was able to make it back out. We're going to hear from the senator in in just a sec. But let's hear from Donald Trump yesterday as he's addressing a crowd out here in Ohio. 18 days ago, tragedy struck this wonderful village and rocked the lives of people throughout this area, long beyond this area. It's been weeks since Americans have been inspired. They've just watched this over the weeks. They've been inspired by your strength and your courage and how you've come together to stand up for the families in your area and the families of this village and beyond. We've seen the first responders and railroad workers serving bravely in the line of duty. The railroad workers have been really incredible, actually, and they've gone way above the call of duty. We've seen citizens speaking up at the town halls, and we've seen organizations such as the East Palestine Community Foundation rising to the occasion to provide tremendous relief and help to the people that were so badly affected. So I want to thank you all. Fantastic job. Really great. Everybody's... Mm. I mean, uh, just getting back down to it, uh, not talking about how it's awesome that I'm here. It's talking about how hard this has been for the last month to be ignored and abandoned by your essentially your state government and the federal government. Uh, it's like they want to blame the town. And uh, I don't know if you saw him walking around with the mayor. They were doing a little tour of, like, the burn area, Noah. Mm-hmm. Mayor seemed like a great dude. He was bragging about how, you know, it's a small community. Everybody knows each other. Everybody grows up. People rarely, rarely leave. And uh, very low crime. It's like a place where you don't have to lock your doors at night. And, you know, Donald Trump really had a good conversation with him. I thought it was pretty cool that, uh, you know, he let the mayor give him a little tour and uh, how that went. But I did mention uh, Ohio Senator J.D. Vance as one of the only politicians, not the stupid ones like House Representative Troy Nels, who we like on this show. You know, a lot of his uh, policy-driven stuff is good, but he went out there like a week ago and was standing in front of like a Chinese restaurant in the downtown district of East Palestine and got like a plastic cup from the faucet and was like drinking it and was like, I'm like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Why? What is? What purpose is that? When the rest of the government isn't doing your job, why are you going to go and friggin' song and dance for them? Yeah, uh, so I'm drinking this water now, mm. but we don't really know what's going to happen in 40 years, so what the fuck is the point? Yeah. 
Now, well, it's like when Obama went and did the Flint, Michigan thing, and then you found out. Oh, and he literally got his lip maybe wet. And and it was filtered through a. It was filtered water. It was water from the tap, but it was filtered. Oh yeah, they ran it through like an actual like. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, super Brita pot. Uh, let's hear the Ohio senator. Thank President Trump and then talk about what's going on right now out there in uh, one of the districts that he's serving. Well, first, President Trump, thanks so much for coming and shining a light on this community. I think the most important thing that we can take from this visit uh, is that we can't forget about the people of East Palestine because there will be a rebuilding effort. We need to finish the cleanup effort. That's the most important thing. But most of all, we need to make sure that over the next six months, over the next year, over the next two years, that we don't forget the people of East Palestine who have been affected by this tragedy. You coming up here ensures that we do exactly that. So thank you, sir. It's great to have you. Don, it's great to have you. Um, I, I just want to say that, you know, I, I'm from Southern Ohio, and I've gotten to know this community very well over the last couple of weeks. It's such an honor to be here, and it's such an honor to get to know so many great people. Uh, the mayor, the fire chief have done such an incredible job. Senator Ruley, everybody has come together, uh, Congressman Johnson, to make sure that East Palestine is at the top of everybody's priorities. So thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me play some small role in making sure this community survives and thrives. God bless you all. I love you. And then the mayor would go up and he would say a little speech before Donald Trump was able to continue. I mean, he basically did like rally style format where mm -hmm. there's people there that need to be acknowledged. He gave him a little bit of an opportunity for the small amount of press that was there to cover it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't going to be he, he wasn't going to seize the opportunity away from Joe Biden, which is pretty much the only thing that Donald Trump did get out of this. He did show what like someone who served in the office. He, he, he was like last in line of succession before Joe Biden. This is how you do it. Uh, he, he was going to hit him, though, on something he's been hitting him on for, for quite some time now, and it's this shit show that's going on in Ukraine. Let's hear the 45th president tie all this together and hope there's a little bit left over. What this community needs now are not excuses and uh, all of the other things you've been hearing, but answers and results, and that's what I think you're going to say. See, uh, Norfolk Southern needs to fulfill its responsibilities and obligations. And I see that they're starting to come here now, too, because they also were saying they're not coming. But it means that the affected communities beyond the borders of East Palestine are uh, going to be taken care of. And they've said so, and they've said it loud and clear, and I think they probably mean it. I sincerely hope that when your representatives and all of the politicians get here, including Biden, they get back from touring Ukraine, that he's got some money left over because we're now at 117 billion dollars and as you probably know Europe when you add it all up is at about 10 billion dollars that's a big difference wouldn't you say that's one of the things that gets me because they're at it again they're very good negotiators those people in Europe you know when you add it all up it's about the same size as the United States the economy of the different European countries and they're at a very small number compared to us so you'll start working on that, I guess, when you get back. I think J.D. will have that well under. He's listened. He heard that number, but it's a massive difference. It's a very small fraction of what we put up, and it affects them more than us, and they have to do what they have to do. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, like, if you're, if you live in the neighborhood where all the crime is happening, your tax dollars should probably go towards thwarting that crime, right? Yeah. To some extent, I mean, you're definitely not going to expect somebody on the other side of the country or the world, for that matter, to foot most of the bill. 
unless they're just like Daddy Warbucks like we are. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should. Uh, maybe the mayor of East Palestine should ask Vladimir Zelensky if he could have a little bit of the mm. cash back to, so they don't have the three eyed fish from the. Simpsons. What if, what if the, the mayor the mayor from uh, East Palestine goes online and wears a green sweatshirt and goes, "We would like Ukraine to help East Palestine with the cookies." And the thing is, the, the big concern, and I and I think. Part of me thinks that the Biden administration didn't really jump right onto this because people weren't dropping dead in the street. Skin wasn't burning off of their body. There was the usual things where there's something like this happens. There's skin irritation, eye irritation, sore throats, clogged ears. You know, people get headaches and stuff like that. But what the the long term effects are really going to be the issue. Yes. The air, the soil, the, the uh, vegetation and all the stuff that could be contaminated, the water. And, and what does this mean? You know, there there was a. Something similar to this in San Diego, North County, San Diego, Carlsbad, uh, about 70 years ago. And you want to know what happened is they wound up building a high school over where it had happened once the EPA determined that the area was safe for being, you know, inhabited again. And let me guess, later on, people were having like birth defects and all sorts of random shit happening. Like 10 years ago, Noah, it was on the news, like one of the biggest stories. You have no idea. So many people that had graduated from Carlsbad High School were 10 years after graduation coming up with these cancer brain colon, but people that are like in their twenties to thirties, early four, like not when you're supposed to be getting these things. Well, now they're going to blame it on climate change. So it'll be fine. Well, yeah, that's the next thing that's coming to. That's my favorite thing. Sorry to digress here, but the, (laughs) so it was global warming. Mm -hmm. Then it was global cooling. And now because they can't make up their fucking minds, they're just going to call it change. Well, because there's no scientific evidence to back either of the two. So since they say change is fluid. And then it can be either way. Like, well, whatever happens, it's changing. We haven't done a good segment on climate, but they have been doing uh, confirmation hearings. And there were some, I'll just call them as they are, two retards that were up for something to do with something that has to do with climate in the Biden administration. Right. And they got none other than our favorite national treasure, Senator John Kennedy, to Asked him some of the questions. <laughs> he kind of laid it all out there for him. He, this is what he said. How much is it going to cost? The guys, $500 trillion mm-hmm. by 2050 for the, UN, for the United States to be net carbon zero. But that doesn't matter if we're carbon zero. Hang on. What if you get that money and all the data that you have, which you won't produce because you feel like it may have a negative effect on your confirmation hearing, that was a real thing. They did not want to give you the data that they were asking for a job where they might they try to appropriate $500 trillion in the next 10 years. What if China and India, just those two countries... Stop doing what they're doing. Refuse. Do we ever get to net carbon zero? And they're both like, no. Yeah. Because they're not going to. Never China especially. Yeah. I think China's going to be like, oh, we're, we're actually, you know, we've been working on becoming the global superpower for, mm. what, the last 70 fucking plus years. And they're just getting started. And now that we're, you know, starting to see some results, yeah, sure, we're going to slow down our production and, you know, stop just being a fucking juggernaut of global fucking production. Yeah, sure, mm. no problem. We that, on- that fits into our plan. Now we- the tuxedos seem kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> now now we, we only do that here when people like Joe Biden... And the real radical progressives are all in office. Mm. Uh, getting back to this, Donald Trump wanted the people of uh, East Palestine to know one thing and one thing only. It was kind of the real reason for the end of his trip. Something that I think really resonated with them. Let's hear it. To the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh, we have told you loud and clear you are not forgotten. 
you are not forgotten. We stand with you, we pray for you, and we will stay with you in your fight to help answer and the accountability that you deserve. We'll have that accountability. It'll all be out there very clearly. And I think one of the biggest things that we need to remember is, you know, DeWine's getting hit hard for his bumbled attempt at trying to get his hands around this thing as it kind of spiraled out of control. You know, was it going to be Norfolk Southern? Was it going to be the EPA? Was Joe Biden going to come out? Like, and he's a Republican-ish governor. And he he really didn't know how to respond. He didn't want to piss off the people that might be giving him the funds, but at the same time, he still wanted to seem, you know, pretty strong. But his, his answer, like, wound up turning into be like, school's going to open on Monday. You guys can return to your homes and please drink out of the taps. Mm-hmm. Which is, but... Shapiro over in Pennsylvania, the governor there, co-signed that controlled burn with him. So when we're talking about long-term disaster effects from this thing, we can't forget all the players who were involved. I think that's one of the biggest things that uh, you know a lot of people uh, need to stay focused on. Uh, someone who was focused on it and is going to be joining us on the 7th of March coming up here was a former congressman, great friend of the show, True Social CEO Devin Nunez, he jumped on with Newsmax yesterday, shortly after the speaking engagement, to give us some highlights. Let's hear it. Exactly right. What this is about, you, you see, this is leadership. And President Trump is going out to, to Ohio today, where, as you just mentioned, the Biden administration has really failed to show up. And I think this is where you can see somebody who is a for, you know basically a former politician, right, running for office again, who can really make a difference? I think if it wasn't for President Trump saying, I'm going to Ohio, you would not have seen the Biden administration quickly send in almost immediately within hours of that announcement that they're going to send in the EPA yep. after three weeks of doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So, look, this is what I think leadership is all about. I think it's what people want to see. And I think you're going to see, you know, from from here on out throughout this presidential campaign, I think people will begin to see the real differences between what it's like to have someone like President Trump in office versus a Joe Biden. And it's these types of events that are really making a difference. And I, the other thing I would say, too, is, you know, and I think the uh, the biggest takeaway from all this, and we talked about it from Tuesday because we saw, obviously, what happened on Monday. There was a tale of two presidents' days. That's kind of how this week started, and we're going to be able to elaborate on that a little bit more uh, later in the show with uh, former chief of staff to the DOD, Cash Patel. You know, just how we're looking at this thing now as people who follow politics, commentate on politics, provide analysis – and and just no, we're normal people. Mm-hmm. We're just two blue collar guys, and we see this stuff and can call it from a mile away. These people are up in like Joe Biden literally holds the highest office in the world, and you're telling me the people around him are just like Ugh. he holds it. You think? You know what I mean? Yeah. The person who holds his string holds it. Mm. Mm. Sweatpants, basement. I was thinking more Susan Rice. It's all of them. Yeah. Uh, you know. There, all, there's definitely board meetings. Oh, of course. Yeah. I could see Obama, Jarrett, Newland, Kerry. All right. What are we going to make him do now? Well, he might poop his pants on the way to that one. All right. Well, we'll just hose him off when he gets there. Put a new suit on him. He's fine. Can, can we put an escalator on the fucking Air Force One, please? Yeah. What, what, they give him, like, you know, the 
the little uh, wheelchair thing that goes up the stairs. Like from Gremlins? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, what movie am I thinking of? Yeah, but, but here's the thing. I could see that ending the same way it did in the movie. With Firing the- him over Air Force One? Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't like to see it? Yeah. You know, but anybody in that inner circle, and I know a lot of them are bailing. You just hear, Corn Pop was a bad dude. And while he's sitting there eating his pudding, Oof. you can't have one person be like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against popular opinion right now. Ten minutes in Ohio. Just yeah. hear me out. Even and, if even if he just flies by and lands somewhere near near it. But do you think all the other people who are in there, when voices like that speak up within the regime, are just like, no, fuck that, fuck them. They mm-hmm. involve, like I really do think that's the way it is. Oh, it hundred percent is the way it is. Like if it was, if this happened in California, anywhere in California, even like a red area of California, like hundred mm-hmm. percent, they would still be like, well, it's California. Yeah. Gavin Newsom would be out there with his fucking greasy little grin, I making was, his fucking con. I God, I hate that guy so much. I was waiting for you to bring him up because I was trying to fit <laughs> it into this segment because we are talking about two people who supposedly are running, uh, you know, in the next presidential election. Obviously, Donald Trump is already. I announced. cannot watch him fucking run for president. Listen, it's I, gonna just I'm gonna puke in my mouth every time I see him. I, I keep hearing the guy. argument for all of Gavin Newsom's downfall. He's the only person that can articulate the ongoing climate change narrative in like a way that they want it delivered. How do they want it delivered in a way that doesn't make it sound like bullshit? Like a way someone doesn't need to read off a teleprompter. And oh yeah, like, he's he's very he had, slithery. He, he has no idea. Like Joe, have you ever heard Joe Biden really elaborate about the climate change? No, no, because there's no. He's got no stories based off of his life. Nothing. And uh, I'm still trying to figure out Joe Biden's genealogy and where he grew up because, you know, apparently. Scranton Joe was raised in Delaware by Puerto Ricans, but moved <laughs> and then wanted to affix a, a Polish uh, SKI to the end of his last name because he felt left out. Bidenski? I wonder if any of those people spoke Spanish and, mm. and were able to help him uh, assimilate to the... But yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things that keeps... Listen, you, you have the absolute psychopath, Pete Buttigieg, and, and he really is because I've never seen somebody like stone-faced just blow people off when they ask him like legitimate he's, he he finds the most articulate ways to say i don't give a shit yeah and that's fucking crazy like this was really a bad disaster and and you know i know we live in a digital age and and everybody's like all these plants are burning down and you're seeing other trains derail all over the place and stuff like that and everybody wants to make a huge it's the next big thing for the next couple of weeks and then something will heat up in ukraine or Something will happen with Joe Biden, and we'll, we'll start to forget about this. But, the, you know, the facts are we just have to really kind of take into perspective uh, what this microcosm of what happened in Ohio is what the bigger picture looks like moving into the general election cycle. And, you know, I think the only good thing is when you talk about people who are going to get in the ring, as far as the Republicans go, I don't, I'm starting to feel, like, less concerned about it every day. I don't know if you saw Noah. I'll show it to you. Uh, on our break, but um, Ron DeSantis put out like a campaign-ish video, right? Really? And uh, guess who the, the 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 person who takes the video out with some of the most powerful language in there talking positively about Ron DeSantis is? <laughs> Jeb. Really? Yeah. Oh. Like it's a bold, it's, it's a bold move. It's just like we're talking about with the with the Biden regime. Where? Christina Pushaw, instead of paying all these assholes on the internet to run disinformation about how awesome Ron DeSantis is and try to delegitimize Donald Trump's presidency, why don't you go sit in one of these friggin' meetings 
and see that the people that are making the videos, the hype videos for Ron DeSantis, supposedly the big challenger to Donald Trump coming up here in the election right now, hey, you know what sounds great? This video is extremely powerful, great imagery, strong messaging, closing with Jeb Bush. Mm. Drag the needle right across the freaking record. Yeah, awful. Somebody speak up and fix this. I mean, I looked at it and I was watching, I was and I was thinking like Donald Trump has some pretty bad editors in his videos. And I said, you know, this Ron DeSantis one is pretty good. And then like 13 seconds left, I thought it was going to be like DeSantis for whatever, fade to black. Fucking Jeb Bush talking about how awesome he is. Wow. And I'm like, wow, PP go small. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's one of those things is we're heading into this election cycle and, and you see all the players start to line up. We're probably going to see a Klobuchar jump in there too. I think Gretchen Whitmer is still a cycle away. But Mayor Pete, Gavin Newsom... Joe Biden, if they can agree we're a campaign, I hear, like I hear there's massive fighting going on. Joe Biden wants to have his campaign headquarters in Delaware. They're like, nobody wants a campaign headquarters in Delaware. Joe, you need to have a campaign headquarters in a place like Philadelphia where we had it in, in 2020 because it's centralized. He doesn't want to have a commute? No. No. And, uh, you Why don't know, just have it in, at his fucking house and wherever the fuck he always goes. Well, and a lot of his top st- staffers are bailing right now. And historically in presidential campaigns, you'll see people leave the administration to run PACs, mm-hmm. to man campaign headquarters. To, to actually still benefit the person. And it's but not the case. this is just like, yeah, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. I, I've cleaned up enough fucking urine off the couch. I'm going to enjoy the country while it's technically still here. Till the st- yeah, fuck. And, uh, you know, and that's the thing. This whole segment was about people who were getting screwed over by the government. Hey, that's us. Yeah, we're going to switch gears a little bit. But stay in the same thread of people who got screwed over by the government as we're getting ready to sit down right now with Dr. Peter Mercola, but first, let's hear from one of our partners. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? You gotta try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bill's. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated, like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per two ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra 5 bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmer Bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. All right, joining us next on the show is a world-renowned cardiologist. He's also the chief scientific officer of the wellness company. Joining us for the first time, Dr. Peter McCullough. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. I'm so pumped to be on your program. A little late for breakfast here in Texas, but let's take it. Nice. We still got about eight minutes left out here in Southern California. Doctor, <laughs> it's, it's great to have you. And uh, we are really excited to uh, talk about a bunch of things with you. First off, let's get started with your latest book, The Courage to Face COVID. And uh, obviously for someone who's tracked you as long as we have, I mean, we, we see you in, in the news. We've seen you at speaking events. We've seen you at, you know, congressional uh huddles that they have up there on Capitol Hill. This has probably been one of the weirdest times in all your years of a doctor, and I'm sure you've heard it over and over again, but just the way everything kind of started and then progressed and then spiraled into something that even people like yourself, uh, someone who's, you know, had uh, so many journals published and written books, and then obviously all the work you've done in cardiology, not be able to like stop this from happening and then having the courage to put everything that you've worked for your entire life on the line 
to kind of make sure that people are really in the know when it came to everything that was going on with COVID. I'm sure that was a lot of the premise for what went into the book. But from your person's perspective, how difficult was this to, to kind of just go through the pandemic in the way it all turned out? I can tell you as a doctor, if I helped just one person, if I helped just one patient or family member or friend, it was worth it. One, because the consequences were hospitalization, which was terrifying, particularly for our seniors in isolation, uh, you know, struggling to breathe, and then death which was dying alone in the hospital, yeah. mainly on a mechanical ventilator. Just can't imagine a, a, a worse scenario. So if I helped one person with this whole odyssey on treating uh, COVID-19, it was worth it. In uh, this pandemic in history, it's the first pandemic that's treatable. This is very important. You know, back, back when bubonic plague uh, was a, a pandemic there were no antibiotics for it. Now it'd be easily treated. Uh, Yersinius pestis, a gram-negative organism, easily treated. Same thing with the Spanish flu. It wasn't the Spanish flu that killed our young, uh, mainly young soldiers uh, and, and uh, people in the ages of 20 to 40. It was a secondary staphylococcal pneumonia, now easily treated with antibiotics. With SARS-CoV-2, fortunately, we had drugs, none of them perfect, but if we used them in combination, uh, we, we knew mathematically by December of 2020 that we were definitely reducing the risks of hospitalization and death. No single drug was necessary nor sufficient, but drugs in combination worked. We still don't have large, conclusive, multi-drug randomized trials, still small, inconclusive, unrewarding trials. Just, just today on Twitter, I tweeted out uh, an analysis of the NAGI trial in JAMA of ivermectin. Again, too small to be conclusive. We need over 20,000 patient randomized trials. They stopped short at about 2,400. And again, not multi-drugs, but just ivermectin alone in very low-risk patients. But all the outcomes tended to favor ivermectin anyway. It happens in every single study. Uh, we should have uh, done studies in high-risk patients, sure. those who are, who are at risk for hospitalization and death. The book summarizes the advent of early treatment, how we ultimately got through 2020 developing uh, uh, treatment protocols, and then the slam that we got from what we call the biopharmaceutical complex that was really aiming for everybody to be vaccinated and really didn't care about these hospitalizations and deaths. No, that's uh, that's one of the biggest things and actually what I wanted to talk to you next about. We've had a couple of the doctors who were kind of at the forefront of this along with you throughout the course of the pandemic. We had a, a great time. We did a special with Dr. Malone, and he even talked about, man, instead of developing the mRNA portion of the vaccine, he wished he could have developed a time machine to go back and stop him because uh, one of the big things that he saw, and, and it was the kind of the same narrative with uh, Dr. Zelenko when he had joined us on the show as well, being in kind of your practice and in your field and, and when you uphold your oath and your thing when you go to work every day is you want to save lives. Like you said, if you had it, one patient that survived because you were able to help them, then that's one patient enough. And how the biopharma medical complex kind of spiraled out of control over the last couple of decades now. Did you kind of see it that way too by the time we got into like the lockdowns, the vaccines and all that portion of the pandemic? And then kind of demonizing all of the alternative treatments to the fact of where, you know, you, you go to work with an intent to do your job, but then you don't see how the field is changing around you. And by the time you kind of be like, hey, wait a minute, this isn't the way that we're supposed to be doing things. It's kind of too late. That's a very good analysis. In fact, that's exactly what happened 
with SARS-CoV-2, the virus, and COVID-19, the illness. Uh, I didn't realize, but it's all on the website that our Defense Department, Department of Defense DARPA, was planning since 2012 to use messenger RNA to end pandemics. They were working with DARPA contractors way back then. It was a terrible idea. They were proposing this for the military. They thought they could end pandemics in 60 days. It was disastrous thinking. They loaded genetic code for the the dangerous and lethal part of the the protein. uh, and, and then, you know, on lipid nanoparticles, yep. so it goes to the brain, the heart, the adrenal glands, reproductive organs. It was a terrible design. And everybody involved with that, honestly, ought to, ought to come under investigation uh, because they, they were part of such a bad group think. I mean, it's just the worst science I've ever seen. Yeah, it certainly was, and and still continues this day. I mean, we see things like what's going on with all of the athletes now, and uh, the age demographics of like children who are going and having all of these uh, cardiac problems, the myocarditis, well, sudden death syndrome, which is now really a thing. Uh, it, it's like you know, and I see people go on the news and they try to rationalize it, like, oh, 50 years ago we didn't live in a technological age; these things happened, but we just didn't see them. Like when you see them on TV every day, I'm like, that's not that's absolute garbage, especially with the children. I mean, it's not. Not climate change? Well, that's what they're going to blame it on next. But Dr. McCall, how can you elaborate on that a little bit for us? You know, the CDC says, uh, as of their website today, that 92% of Americans have taken one of these shots. Mm. 92%. Now we have uh, uh, excess mortality across all age groups, particularly younger age groups. Fatal myocarditis published in the previewed literature. Fatal blood clots. Fatal hematologic syndromes. It's a disaster, and you're right. We didn't see athlete after athlete dying. And, and, and listen, I'm a cardiologist. When there's myocarditis, even before COVID, we could never let athletes exercise right. because the exercise will trigger sudden death. There's a reason why that's in our guidelines. Now all these athletes have taken the vaccine, and sudden death is absolutely rampant right now, and it's alarming. Everybody, in a sense, is a, is a ticking time bomb. Uh, we've got to shut this down. I called on the U.S. Senate floor December 7th, 2022. Shut it down. Pull all the vaccines off the market. And then we need to help this 92% who took it. Yeah, we certainly have to figure out some kind of ways to uh, see how we're going to best felicitate. I kind of feel like those numbers aren't real because there's a lot of people that definitely said they got it but didn't fake the cards and stuff like that. I, yeah. mean, I know no, people. But listen, you know, that's CDC administration records on the website. But let me uh, tell you, you're supported by two uh, random surveys that are valid surveys, one by Zogby and one by Rasmussen. They both show that when you ask people, two-thirds took the vaccine. But the CDC on the website today says 92% uh, took at least one shot, adults over age 18. But you're right, it doesn't jive with what we Mm -mm. know in our walk of life. Yeah, sure. And and then, you know, getting back to to your latest book, listen – you wrote the book. You had John Leake, who's an amazing author, partner with you in this. And then you had Robert Kennedy Jr. do the forward. How great of an opportunity was this for you to sit down with this group of, you know, well-respected people within the community and and get something done that's going to, you know, tell the story and kind of give a little bit of awareness and, and, and you know, get, let people know that we're not at the end of this. We're probably just at the beginning with the way that governments, world governments, uh, the WHO and, and, and entities like that, the CDC, of course, deals with, uh, you know, trying to control the public moving forward. Well, it's the first in a series of books. You write, you got it. Uh, uh, it's a professional hi- highlight, really, to team up with John Leake 
He's the only best-selling author who's a full-time author in this COVID space right now. It yep. reads like a gripping novel. It's it's interesting. It's fast. It's not a boring medical book. And uh, it, it really tells the story, not just from my perspective, but Leek interviewed all these key people, yeah. including uh, uh, you know, the characters in the book. And the chapters are fun. People always ask me, what's this chapter about um, Cuomo sexuals, as an example? <laughs> you know, the fall of both uh, Andrew and Chris Cuomo. It's all in the book. You got to read it. I've been listening, but I really was hoping that you were going to say it. <laughs> Dr. McCullough, this has been awesome sitting down with you the first time today. We're, of course, going to ask that you come back at some point in the future. And uh, we were going to live link the book in the show description today, but anywhere else you want to direct people either to find you, social media, anything, and we'll live link those as well. Yeah, go to my website, Peter McCullough, MD. That'll click and take you all over social media. I've got one of that. I think I'm the top practicing doctor on Twitter and all of social media. Uh, you'll find me there. Also go to America Out Loud Talk Radio, McCullough Report. Check in on my podcast twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday on the Apple iHeart Network uh, through the week. And then our Substack, I write with John Lee, Courageous Discourse. Uh, it's one of the top Substacks out there. Uh, we work as a dual combination. I cover the medical technological advancements. Lee covers the historical, social, cultural, and, and philosophical uh, areas, which is really so hot. We don't need hobbies right now. This <laughs> pandemic has kept us busy, but we're all working like you to close it. Let's close the pandemic and move on with life. Let's move on with life. And, and we will move on with you coming back to our show as well. Great job with the book, doctor. And, and thanks for taking the time to visit us on this Friday edition of the show. This is world-renowned cardiologist, suspense author, and all things related. Dr. Peter McCullough, thank you for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. What on the Republican side seems outraged on a gut level that the president of the United States is personally visiting an autocrat in a tracksuit in Kiev while he ignores the exposure of thousands of American citizens to toxic chemicals we can't identify. So Republicans in the Senate have a leader. You might be interested in what he thinks is important. Here he is. I'm going to try to help explain to the American people that defeating the Russians in Ukraine is the single most important event going on in the world right now. It will save us an enormous amount of money down the road if the Ukrainians can succeed. They're not asking for any of our personnel. They're asking us for financial help. It's going to save us money. So the thing is, that's not rhetoric. Mitch McConnell believes what he just said. I'm going to help explain. You couldn't help explain how to get from here to the nearest gas station. Mm. You're beyond the ability to explain. And you're way beyond the ability to lead the opposition in the United States Senate. But for some reason, McConnell and so many other Republican leaders and talk show hosts have Oof. been completely brainwashed by the idea that the United States will benefit from a war with Russia. Well, now that Russia has joined forces with China to create a block against the United States that we cannot defeat, that will control perhaps the majority of the world. Really? And you did that, by the way. You laughed at Trump, and here we are, facing the end of control of a lot of the world because you so unwisely managed the power that you inherited. What? Mm, yeah, it's not wrong. No, he's not. Like, we, we're watching just the... the the beginning of the spiral that is the United States' world domination. Yes, we certainly are. And I think that's uh, 
something that a lot of people are missing the mark on right now, especially like he said, some of those talk show hosts and, and podcasters who, you know, think it's cool to have these people come on your show, the ones who are more for the war. If we just would stop funding this shit, they would have to concede whatever territories are already lost, and that would probably be it. But like, I mean, or maybe they would just roll over Ukraine and take the whole thing. Who knows? Well, well, the thing is, too, it's like we, we talked about it with Matt Gates. We elaborated on it with Josh Hammer. Now, you just heard Tucker Carlson kind of lead in there on, onto how many shitbags there are in our Congress right now, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just say they, they figure out a way to get this thing passed. Ukraine funding goes down to zero. The only way Ukraine gets funding is, is if Joe Biden goes to Congress. If they do a uh, GoFundMe. <laughs> well, and tries to invoke the War Powers Why Act. Why don't they just do a GoFundMe? If you want to donate to Ukraine, you can. If well, not, then fuck off. Apparently everybody has Ukraine flags outside of their house right now. I- I'll be honest with you. I know where there's one. There- there's one by where I live. They have an American flag and a Ukraine flag. I don't know the people, so I don't know if maybe they're... Retarded. Or of Ukraine descent. <laughs> I-, I don't think so, though. Uh, but But, yeah... Would Congress, the House and Senate, vote for invoking the War Powers Act, which would give Joe Biden his money back? I, an overwhelming majority of me says yes. I mean, no, I know you're a little bit more of an optimist than myself, but, yeah, there's, there's no getting around it. What, they're, they're going to pay us back? No. <laughs> Wait, hey, we haven't even talked about it. We're still in war phase. You know what comes after that? Lemon face? Not lion face either. <laughs> Rebuilding phase. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and you want to talk about trillions, like the the hundreds of billions, the quarter of a trillion dollars we've already invested in this kickoff to World War Three, which is what we're going to be touching on now in our next segment. Uh, as we just wrapped with Dr. McCullough and uh, John Leake, it was great having them on for the first time. Very informative. Those guys have been through a lot of shit, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was at the behest of our federal government and uh, the medical industrial complex. So, But, you know, you see China and Russia, are their relationship is blooming. It's not good. At all. No, that's really bad. I mean, BRICS, also not a good thing. You mm-hmm. talk about some of our historically strategic non-friends, India, their come and go, depends on who the president is. China, Russia, Brazil, South Africa, maybe looking to develop some kind of a currency that would you know, knock U.S. out of the top spot, it's not good. And uh, I can only think of one person who's got a worse narrative than Mitch McConnell does because it sounds like he's just, like, parroting military-industrial complex talking points. Like, Winning this would be the absolute best thing that could ever happen to the United States. That's right. The Werther's original spokesman right there. <laughs> I'm talking about the real-life Mr. Garrison, Lindsey Graham. Oh, jeez. He was going ham this week. Let's hear him. And China provides lethal weapons, they will get sanctioned. And to the Chinese, if you jump on the Putin train now, uh-huh. you're dumber than dirt. It would be like buying a ticket on the Titanic after you saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. The most catastrophic thing that could happen to U.S.-China relationship, in my opinion, is for China to, so- to, so- to give uh-huh. lethal uh-huh. weapons uh-huh. to Putin in his crime against humanity. What about that would change too? everything Forever. <laughs> Give lethal weapons to Putin and his crime against humanity. Like, he's like, I gotta get that last talking point in. We're about to go to a commercial. And let me tell you something. For all of the people who aren't talking about peace negotiations right Wait, now. So nobody told them they were gonna hold him through the break? Mm, nobody wants to hold <laughs> Mr. Garrison through the break. 
<laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay. Hold on. Oh, 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 oh. Oof, I, I, I don't think he'd dare go in there. <laughs> um, but, you know, for all the people that want to kind of get to the negotiation table and start talking about ceasefires and stuff like that, calling somebody a war criminal and saying, like, once this conflict's over, you're going to be tried for crimes against humanity is probably not one of the best mm. ways to get him there. Yeah, no. No. And, and let me tell you something. It, it's been... Well known, and a lot of the people who are really on this, a lot more than us, have been saying that China and Russia have been in bed together for for a very long time, and there's a better than average chance that Russia is already getting. Yeah, there's been a blossoming love affair that Mm. now they don't have to hide. Yeah, they're Facebook official. Yeah. But uh, they've they've been lurking in the shadows, over the clothes, heavy petting. Under the bleachers? Now it's just full on anal. Oh, and, you know, the big thing is, not that, but what do we do? Who suffers more if, like, we sanction China and China's like, I don't care. I got all my new friends. Mm-hmm. Russia's got a lot of the energy that the world needs. China makes everything and has, like, you know, they're number one or number two in the economy, depending on the day. It's like, oh, you don't like these guys either? Well, we make all their shit. We'll just stop. Period. And watch everything grind to a fucking halt. And you know how we do the whole oil behind the scenes thing with the United States and Russia? Like, because that's still going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, even if they want to, like, pretend that we're all stupid and the Russian oil goes to Venezuela and then we say we're buying it from Venezuela, but it's they like... slap a different sticker on it? Yes, it's like a bad, funny movie. It's like the it's like the bullshit, like, assembled in USA things that I think should be fucking illegal to do. Like, yeah. Like, designed in america and they have a giant american flag on like a three quarters of the fucking bottom of the box and you're like oh cool made in usa it's like designed in usa yeah so somebody fucking wrote this on a napkin took a picture of it on their camera phone sent it to some fucking engineer in china and had them build it and now they mail it here and it was designed in the usa and you can put a flag it should be illegal tell me how you really feel about it i don't like it it sounds like it fucking assholes speaking about war criminals sorry you get me all fired up on china i fucking hate that place you should just garrison yourself Oh, there you go. Scissor me timbers. We've reached peak steak for breakfast yeah. right now. Saying things like that is in no way productive to get to a reasonable solution, which is the furthest thing we're from now. Noah's favorite vice president. That's <laughs> just she's super excited about right now. She was stumping And then she was stumping hard in Germany this week. Um talking about going to war. And war criminals. Two things that aren't very productive. Let's hear how many times she can absolutely screw it up. And there is no doubt these are crimes against humanity. Humanity. She's not doing the Obama thing. The United States has formally determined that Russia has committed crimes against humanity. He just said that. And I say to all those who have perpetrated these crimes against humanity <laughs> and to their superiors, the space that brings who them are apart. complicit and also in these crimes, you will be held. To account. Damn! In the face of these indisputable facts, to all of us here in Munich, 
Let us renew our commitment to accountability. Let us mm. renew our commitment to the rule of law. Oh, okay. oh, oh. Really, the rule of law. Speaking of which, mm. you see what I did here this week? Where? They actually flow pretty nice. Yeah. Something that I definitely want to talk about with Cash Patel as he's getting ready to come on when we wrap this segment here is one of the things that a lot of people also aren't talking about. I know we remember it, and, and you know we started the show with potential ecological disasters. What happened to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? Yeah, how is that not a thing? How is it not a thing? How is it not... Like, why is this not just fucking news page one of every fucking paper? Well, how many people aren't even talking Besides about... Besides the paper? How many people aren't talking about Russia and China, like, being besties now? Like, it's, it's a big deal. It's an inconvenient truth. It's more than that. So, I did see the EU, which we're definitely not fans of. Ew. Uh, got together for a little bit of, uh, I don't know, whatever they do. They call Global Congress or whatever. Davos Light. Um... And one of the parliament members from the EU is absolutely sick and tired of what's going on with nobody talking about the Nord Stream pipeline. You're actually going to like this clip, Noah. Nice. Um, he, he was referencing the Seymour Hirsch substack, uh, which provided a lot of receipts. It's not just like Joe Biden blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. It was like... And here's why I think so. He had op names, yeah. dates, what other countries they were pretending to do uh, maneuvers and stuff with. And, and you can overlay with all the flight plans and shit like that, too. He had everything. And, and the guy's been doing it for a really long time, 40, 50 years as a journalist. But I, I don't want to take too much out of out of that context here because I want you to hear his absolute rant programming note this guy could definitely sub for either one of us on nice. the show let's hear him only last september commission president von der leyen stated that it was paramount to now investigate the Nord stream pipeline attack and that any deliberate disruption of active european energy is unacceptable and will lead to the strongest possible response the strongest possible response well pulitzer prize winning reporter seymour hirsch Probably the most legendary investigative journalist alive. What happened to Just your published hat? a report that presents detailed claims that on President Biden's orders, the US, with Norway's help, blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. Mm. Hirsch has a long track record of journalistic integrity. This was a premeditated terrorist attack on European critical infrastructure. It was also environmental terrorism. Does the EU care? Do you need to know who did it? Or do you want to know? Hirsch says the US did it. Did you just ask him? Did you just ask him did they do it? Or, or do you just ask them questions anymore? Mm -hmm. Have we become so subservient? Has the EU become so subservient to US empire? It just can't even ask him if they did it? Is it a fucking joke? <laughs> I like that guy. You know what I like best about it? First of all, he's got huge hair. Oh, yeah. And he wore, like, a V-neck T-shirt and jeans to Parliament. Like, just not giving a shit. But why not? No. He, he, I mean, the world's falling apart. Why not be comfortable? Well, Vladimir's taking some notes from that. And uh, we all know he's the king of tracksuits. Mm. But, yeah, listen. Don't you think if Vladimir Putin blew up his own pipeline, the biggest person that would be bitching every single day about it would be Germany, who this 100% affected? Oh, yeah. There, there's probably, I mean, there's probably some people that are pretty fucking cold in Germany right now. And I know 
some of the Nordic states did start like a smaller version of a natural gas pipeline, like the Nord Stream 2, just like a week or two before it was blown up. Mm. But again, I think Putin might want to retaliate and blow that one up too, but he's like, okay, we're going to eventually have to fix this, but this honestly wasn't me. And then I just think it's funny that the EU is bitching that they're subservient to the U.S. and, and everybody like in the government right now, especially like in the Biden regime, is looking at each other like, we fucking bow down to them. What are they talking about? Mm-hmm. Why is this guy's problem? Yeah. And it's just like, you know what it is? That's a pretty good rendition of the Spider-Man memes. Yeah. Everybody's pointing at each other and everybody's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of the same thing and talking about billions and billions, one of the uh, BRICS countries had a visit from someone who seems to always be doing other things other than her job because she's already destroyed the economy probably for the long haul. And that's Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. As the Biden regime is all over the world right now, you had Blinken in Syria and Turkey. You have Biden in Ukraine and Poland. Harris was in Germany. Uh, Jill Biden's in Africa. I don't know what the frig she's doing there. Yellen was in India, hanging out over there, talking about, guess what? Dollars for Ukraine. Economic assistance is making Ukraine's resistance possible by supporting the home front, funding critical public services, and helping keep the government running. In the coming months, we expect to provide around $10 billion in additional economic support for Ukraine. Putin himself thought he would achieve a victory at minimal cost, in the words of CIA Director Bill Burns. One year later, Putin's war has been a strategic failure for the Kremlin, Ukraine still stands. Oh, shut up. Mm. i just like to remind our listenership that when Janet Yellen steps down as fired or decides to retire from the Biden regime, she will be collecting a grand total of five federal pensions. And she also held two of high-level financial something. She doesn't want to donate one of her pensions to Ukraine? She just asked for $10 billion to pay for their Social Security Mm-hmm. Wait, what about our social security? Well, according to the Biden regime, we're sunsetting it. Even though Joe Biden's the one who actually went before Congress and talked about sunsetting. Yeah, he sunsetting. talked about... Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm going to halt all. And I, when I say all, I mean all. Projection, deflection, mm-hmm. rejection. Mm-hmm. That's the Biden administration in everything they do. And, uh, you know, it's it's just... You can't be able to... They're like roaches running everywhere. But it seems like everywhere they go, it's with with our taxpayer dollars for other crap that has nothing to do with stuff that we should be bothering with. But it, it's it's become a major issue. And, you know, between what happened with the Nord Street Pipeline, the legal ramifications just alone. In addition to that, you have uh, the stuff that's going on with this blank check for Ukraine and how there seems to be just absolutely no chance of it slowing down anytime soon. I, I don't know how we can keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. And, and leave it to people like, you know, what's going on with uh, China and Russia said to have a state meeting. We we are quickly hurtling past the point of no return. And it just seems like, you know, Tucker Carlson points it out almost every night. They don't care. It's it's almost, it. I mean, it's not almost like it on, it's on purpose. It's, it is on purpose at this point because all these corrupt government officials are all doing the same song and dance. They're saying one thing, doing another thing. They're reversing or going against 
us trying to stop China from buying farmland and strategic positions in the United States. Did you see South Dakota's yeah. government block Christy Nome from yeah. making what, that What's the benefit of that besides the fact that our politicians are owned by the CCP? Now you know where all the lobby groups are owned by. Yeah. And uh, like, Who do you think donates to these people? Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw James J. Uh, Carafano. He was on Newsmax yesterday. He was actually talking about this. No, we've talked about this for a long time, how China's been quietly been playing everybody behind the scenes. Everything from how they manipulate everything that goes on here in the United States to courting Russia to telling Ukraine they'll still rebuild afterwards. Let's just burn it down faster. And uh, he, he made a really good argument for, uh, you know, a lot of stuff we've been talking about on the show. Let's hear it. It's not a more cynical, rapacious, unethical power in the world than China. And, and I think you're right. On the one hand, Gordon's right. The Chinese would love to see the Russians win in Ukraine because then Europe would be disorganized, destabilized, distracted, uh, divided, um, we could push out American interests. That's, that's golden for China. But on the yep. other hand, the, China's never going to put itself at risk for anybody. They're not going to put their neck on the anybody. And... And what's the downside here? What if Russia gets their butt kicked? Well, then Russia's a greatly diminished power, and China can be much more influential in Central Asia and even parts of Asia. And if God forbid Russia, or maybe God doesn't forbid, Russia collapses, mm. China can start picking up the pieces. So I think the Chinese here, they're just playing everybody. This is, you know, they're just playing us all like a movie. They just want, as long as it's good for China, they don't care what happens to the rest of the world, not even the Russian allies. And I think this is the key point, because a lot of people say, well, how do we deal with this? And I, and I think Gordon agrees with this. The number one way we break up this, this, this bromance between Russia and China is the weaker Russia is, the less valuable a partner exactly. it is for China. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And, uh, the thing is... They're just running the point spread. Yeah. I, I fear, because of the big media blackout, the embargo on Russia that's been going on in the United States since the 80s, I, I feel like we're really severely underestimating the capability of Vladimir Putin. I mean, let's just take the equation and, and remove that they're the second or third biggest nuclear power on the planet, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's just talk about militarily. I, I just think that a lot of stuff that comes out of Russia real stuff it's just not truthful here in the united states no through 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 state-run regime media and uh listen he did that state of the union he talked for over an hour he was animated he hit on a lot of points i mean obviously he was reading on the teleprompter but he went off several times and then the next day he went and did one of those military parade things that they do there it's like negative 20 degrees he's outside for an hour and a half just stumping on Blowing shit up. Mm -hmm. I don't think he looks weak and sick and all the other stuff they say. I mean, they pump Joe Biden up with shit, but I mean, when he goes out and does it, he falls up and down the stairs and gets lost, shakes hands to air, and I, and I don't see that from Putin. Obviously, you get, you get you get to a certain level of just being useless, and then that's where you are. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you can polish that turd all you want and plus the fact that i mean although he's probably retired from it now vladimir putin is a stone cold killer oh yeah better than average chance he's killed people with his literally his bare hands and you just don't kind of shed that persona as you grow up uh but yeah i think we're, we're playing a big game we're gambling on everybody not being as big as they're saying they are and it seems like well besides victor orban who, who's calling for ceasefires and peace over in hungary there's only been one other person who's kind of 
repeatedly said, I told you so. Well, you know who it is, Noah. Mm-hmm. It's our favorite president, 45 himself, Donald Trump. And this week he released one of his campaign-related strategy. The video is poorly edited, but the audio is good. In regards to going after the military-industrial complex, as Cash Patel puts it, all the government gangsters that have made quite the home for themselves up on Capitol Hill. And what he plans to do if he gets back in office regarding this is some of the most, it's going to be just as comprehensive as some of the things he did, whereas so many people put it just laugh in his face the entire time he was in office. So you talk about what happened with North Korea. You talk about what happened. Listen, first state visit by a U.S. president to China in, in like 35, 40 years. Remember feeding the fish just dumps the whole box of shit in the fucking <laughs> But, you know, telling Kim Jong that he looked slim and healthy when he looked the polar opposite, pushing to the front of the pack at the G7 and the G20, we just don't have that right now. We have military-industrial complex goes Bert, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go all in on hoping that every single person that's chest-buffing to me isn't as tough as they say they are. Donald Trump had a little bit more of a different angle in handling geopolitics and our strategic rivals. He was extremely successful at it. And in our last audio clip of the week, we're going to play that clip and uh, hear from the 45th president on what he plans to do when he gets back into office. In other parts of the world, World War III has never been closer than it is right now. We need to clean house of all of the warmongers and America last globalists in the deep state the Pentagon, the State Department, and the National Security Industrial Complex. One of the reasons I was the only president in generations who didn't start a war is that I was the only president who rejected the catastrophic advice of many of Washington's generals, bureaucrats, and the so-called diplomats who only know how to get us into conflict, but they don't know how to get us out. For decades, we've had the very same people, such as Victoria Nuland and many others just like her obsessed with pushing Ukraine toward NATO, not to mention the State Department support for uprisings in Ukraine. These people have been seeking confrontation for a long time, much like the case in Iraq and other parts of the world. And now we're teetering on the brink of World War III. And a lot of people don't see it, but I see it. And I've been right about a lot of things. They all say Trump's been right about everything. None of this excuses in any way the outrageous and horrible invasion of Ukraine one year ago, which would have never happened if I was your president, not even a little chance. But it does mean that here in America, we need to get rid of the corrupt globalist establishment that has botched every major foreign policy decision for decades. And that includes President Biden, whose own people said he's never made a good decision when it comes to looking at other countries and looking at wars. We have to replace them with people who support American interests. Over our four years in the White House, we made incredible progress in putting the America last contingent aside and bringing the world to peace. And now we're going to complete the mission. The State Department, Pentagon, and National Security Establishment will be a very different place by the end of my administration. In fact, just into my administration, it'll be a very different place. And it'll get things done, Mm. just like I did four years ago. We never had it so good. 
We'll also stop the lobbyists and the big defense contractors from going in and pushing our senior military and national security officials toward conflict, only to reward them when they retire with lucrative jobs, getting paid millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> Take a look at the globalist warmonger donors backing our opponents. That's because they're candidates of war. I am the president who delivers peace, and it's peace through strength. Yep. There was a reason we had no conflict. There was a reason we didn't get into wars, because other countries respected us. I entirely built all right from the beginning, rebuilt our military. It's a big reason for that. They didn't want to mess around with the United States, and now they're laughing at us. We could end the Ukraine conflict in 24 hours with the right leadership. At the end of my next four years, the warmongers and frauds and failures of the senior ranks of our government will all be gone, and we will have a new group of competent national security officials who believe in defending America's vital interests above all else. Thank you very much. Didn't hear too many lies or exaggerations in there. No, what do you think? Nope. Solid thought pattern. Yeah. I can tell you what, if there's one thing I unequivocally agree with him on, it is that our adversaries are laughing at us right now. And it's not just from falling up and down the stairs. They've been laughing at us. Yeah. Yeah. They, wait till they see. And, you know, I'm sure they got spies all over the ground in Ukraine. And obviously there's spy satellites and spy balloons and things of such. But when we start getting our... Uh, our brave men and women over there to start training these idiots in Ukraine on how to use some of our equipment and just how much of a joke it's going to be trying to, you know, prepare a third world army to fight up against a still pretty big geopolitical powerhouse in, in Russia uh, using our stuff. What, meanwhile, Russia's reverse engineering all of the stuff they're buying that we left in Afghanistan from the Taliban. A lot of different items to get. You know, anyone who, who honestly cares about this country fired up, we're going to continue in this thread right now as we're getting ready to sit down with Cash Patel. But before that, let's hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is handpicked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you enter promo code STEAK here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's the former Deputy Director of National Intelligence, also the Chief of Staff to the Department of Defense, one of our great friends, guess he's even better friends with President Trump. Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for jumping back on the show with us. TGI Friday, boys. That means it's PBR time soon. So nice. it's nice to be with y'all. Once I finish this thing, I might have a cold one first, or two. First of all, nailed it. Second of all, how's everything going with you? Well, you know, living the dream after another epic week of Joe Biden putting us on the brink of war, <sighs> um, costing us more blood and treasure overseas, and Donald Trump showing us how America leads by putting America first, by kicking ass in Ohio, shaking hands, kissing babies, bringing water, bringing aid, bringing MAGA to Ohio, and that's the difference. That's the week. You want America first or you want America last? You want America falling up the steps of the airplane again yeah you saw that the other day <laughs> no. when he was leaving poland oh, he fell man. up the stairs i can't i thought i was getting punked it's fake this yeah no and it's unconfirmed but he may have actually fallen down the stairs when he got there too <laughs> I, we can't really tell who that one is but somebody fell down the <sighs> stairs in his entourage 
Now, Cash, we started out the week talking about the tale of two presidents' days. Uh, you, wow. you kind of clearly outlined how Joe Biden's was America last, top to bottom. Uh, everybody, including all of his cabinet members, senior appointees, just absolutely railroading this country, no pun intended. Uh, you know, in a way only this regime could do. And then on the other side, you saw Donald Trump kind of appear from Mar-a-Lago midway through the day uh, on President's Day to kind of steal mm-hmm. the news narrative. But then when I go and look at the news, it's like Joe Biden and, and Vladimir Putin issued dueling states of the world to each other. And I'm just like, did you guys not hear Donald Trump like offering actual solutions in both of his speaking events on President's Day? And you guys don't make mention of any of it? It's ridiculous. Well, that's not a surprise. I mean, it's not a surprise that Donald Trump is the one talking about peace yeah. and Joe Biden is the one talking about war. I mean, let's not forget that Putin just pulled us out of the, pulled out of the START Treaty which was the last sort of safeguard we had against a nuclear warfare and it, and the strongest nuclear deterrent we had. And it's like, no one cares that that happened. And it's just another example of Putin dictating to America for the first time, global supremacy. He doesn't care what Biden thinks he does care and would care what a president Trump would do, but Trump's not in right now. So he's taking advantage of the situation and Trump's right to have put out there on truth social that he'd probably put an end to this war in 24 hours. Because he'd get all the adults in the room and say, okay, we're done with this. Otherwise, we are going to implement sanctions across the board. You can't buy America. We won't sell to you. And we will cut you off from the rest of the world. It's called economic genius. And um, Biden's economic version of that is how much money can we print and how much money and weaponry can we get Congress to approve to send over to Ukraine? Um, All the while saying we're somehow saving the world from a global war. When Vladimir Putin just pulled out of the START Treaty, you are literally bringing us closer to nuclear war, not further away. It's really basic math when you pull out of the one treaty that was our stalwart in terms of protection. And the media doesn't want to cover it or trains or Buttigieg, you know, um, that guy's calamitous implosion on the global scale because he thinks um, the answer to securing America's transportation is by taking a page out of Joe Biden's book, and that is not showing up when there's a disaster, when you're mm. transportation secretary, and blaming the private sector, and telling Americans that, you know, Norfolk Southern is responsible. Okay, this is this is really um, the essence of the Biden administration. And it's, you know, you saw it with the uh, brilliant maneuver by Susan Rice in the White House, who said she is now heading up the racism board of, uh, I can't remember the exact title, but literally saying, this administration is going to operate uh, based on race and race first. And again, that's just not how President Trump operated, but it is how this one wants to weaponize our government. Oh, oh you're, are you talking about Susan Rice, the SAR of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Mm. Yeah, but they just they gave her a new name too this week. She's like the uh, like it's it's like the chief race racial i don't i can't even remember i can't keep up with all these chief race baiter yeah there you go yeah i mean that's probably more accurate but you know the dod is more focused on diversity and inclusion and whatever and now the white house is named susan rice Mm. the head of you know prioritizing race in government over other matters you know we used to prioritize the protection of america over other matters and if you happen to be a minority like i was great if not who cares if you're the best person for the job, you should have it. You shouldn't get it because you're brown or blue or non-gender, trans, 
binary. I don't even know what the verbiage is anymore, man. I can't keep up. That's too many. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, and how dare you? <clears throat> right. But if you're gay and black, you can basically go on CNN and disparage an entire race of female women, minorities, by the way, and get a promotion. Well, that is true. Laughs and Don Lemon. Um, well, you do got to go to the so you, special training after. No, that's true. You you unpacked a, a bunch of stuff for us, Cash. Let's circle back to some of it. I did see one of the highlights of Joe Biden's visit. Didn't come for anything that had to do with him or any of his narrative. But uh, I don't know if you saw it earlier in the week. Victor Orban was probably the only voice of reason out of that European delegation that had gotten together to talk about how they're going to support Ukraine. And, and he actually channeled a little bit of Donald Trump and said, how are we, a non-NATO member, the only ones talking about things like ceasefire and peace treaties? And I was like, well, damn, it's good that one of Donald Trump's good friends is out there kind of showing everybody, you know, who's sitting at the actual table right now, Joe Biden in the high chair. Um, but, you know, the only way to get out of this situation. And, and it's it's one of the things I definitely wanted to talk to you about, Cash, because as someone who, you know, was in and around the DOD, knows all about national security and stuff like that, definitely not getting talked about as much. You know, Tucker kind of did some stuff on it. We've seen a couple uh, people in the Senate, you know, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz kind of hit on it a few times when she's been up there. The Nord Stream Pipeline. I mean, mm -hmm. we've all come to the conclusion, pretty much, at least us on this show, that it was an inside job. And when you just look at it from top to bottom, strategically, operationally, and legally, what it means if the U.S. was the person, was the entity that blew up Germany's main supply of, you know, fuel, natural gas. How well, you have to remember history here. Donald Trump shut down the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Correct. With uh, our great ambassador, Rick Grinnell, leading the charge in Germany at mm. the time. He stopped it. Flat out, because it was a national security risk, not just to the United States of America, but the world, and supposedly our great allies in Western Europe. Um, and Joe Biden comes in, reverses course immediately, and allows the completion yep. of Nord Stream 2. He allowed the gas to flow, and for Russia to take advantage of Western Europe, and for America to be hurt yet again on the global stage. And now we're supposed to believe that this guy has some sort of genius plan to go in there and reverse course by blowing this thing up. I mean, you want to talk about literally adding gasoline to a forest fire. Mm -hmm. This guy can't get national security agendas straight for the protection of American people. And then he goes and literally sets the world on fire underwater, um, if the reporting is true. And also is in Poland screaming about how his name should be Bidensky because he grew up surrounded around Poles and how we should be go inching towards global war rather than calling the world leaders uh, to bear and say, we need to sit down and meet and we need to have a summit and we need to figure out how we are going to prevent a colossal world war, not get us more and more into one. I mean, this is the glaring distinction between how Donald Trump operated as a commander in chief and how Joe Biden is. He will do anything to get the radical left wing media to put his um, name in the headlights um, in a good way. And so he's glorified by the press all the while the people that are hurt the most are Americans, are Ukrainians, are Russians. They're innocents in all those countries. And this is why the only people calling for peace are those that subscribe to a policy like Trump, mm -hmm. such as Viktor Orban, uh, who doesn't want to see the world light, on, light itself on fire. And it's amazing to me, the anti-warmongering machine that used to be the Democratic Party are rallying together 
to get us closer to war in the Ukraine. That's your friend AOC right there. And then side note, I heard you had mentioned Joe Biden did did make that comment this week where he said there was he wishes there was a ski added to the end of his name or he wanted one. I was always under the impression because according to Joe Biden, he was, you know, raised in East Delaware by Puerto Ricans. He said that on several occasions. Mm-hmm. So I just can't figure this guy's well, extremely There's a big Polish population <laughs> in, in, in Puerto Rico. I don't know if you know that. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, Cash. When you talk about it from a legal standpoint and when you're looking at it outside looking in, so the person who loses out big when the Nord Stream pipeline gets bombed obviously is Germany. They, they've been silent on it, right? And and then the rest of the people who are involved in this conflict, whether it's money or military equipment, all said, oh, Russia did it to themselves to make it look like we're doing stuff to them. But, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, no, that if if Russia did it to themselves, Germany would be screaming. We had this deal with them. Now they blew up the pipeline. Everybody needs to help us, and that's not the case. And and then when you talk about, you know, you you've heard Victoria Newland, one of your best friends, Joe mm-hmm. Biden on several occasions. You've even had like people like John Kirby, uh, you know, over at the State Department, all talk about how at some point they were going to use that as, as like uh, an inflection point for this conflict to, you know. Take uh, Vladimir Putin's feet and put him to the fire in regards to money, which is the probably the only place where you could hurt him. And, and honestly, we're not doing a very good job of it besides the Nord Stream pipeline. But legally, outside of Congress, outside of War Powers Act, outside of the authority of the president of the United States to unilaterally act in this manner to do that, which affects so many different countries in the reason. How is nobody talking about any kind of accountability for Joe Biden or, who, or whoever was behind this? Well, that's just it. There, Congress should be demanding a, um, an investigation into the decision-making process if we were responsible for it, who made it and why, and was the Gang of Eight even ever informed of it or briefed on it? It doesn't yeah. sound like they were because it would have probably leaked out of there had it been done so. And so this is one of those things where the Gang of Eight was specifically created to have a check specifically on the Commander-in-Chief by having access to the most sensitive intelligence that America has, the same intelligence that the president has. And it looks like there's been a division of intelligence here because if President Biden did this and did not inform the Gang of Eight, which seems to be the case, Mm. then that is a whole another violation of the separation of powers because he acted without, um, as we used to always hear back in the Trump administration from the liberal left, why didn't you tell the Gang of Eight? Where were the Gang of Eight briefings? We were actually giving it to them. They just didn't want to receive them. That's a different story. But here... It seems that there was no communication. And let's put that aside. Say Biden did it. Okay, we now know definitively from his White House on the record, they said absolutely not. They have categorically denied to having anything to do with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. So they've put the marker down. And if we find out otherwise, then you have a president of the United States lying to the world and taking what is likely unlawful action um, against a sovereign nation overseas. And it seems like it would be without justification. So Congress has a lot of work to do if they want to do it, but um, I'm not sure that many in Congress are up to the task on this one. No, especially with the long litany of items they're already trying to get. You know, the last thing I want to add to that, Cash, and I'm sure you already know this, there is a very small amount of countries uh, military-wise that could actually pull this off. Just off the top of my head, I would think like the U.S., Japan, Germany, the U.K., China, and Russia I can't even think of other countries that would be able to have access and be able to pull this off in such a coordinated fashion uh, that, you know, that, you know, uh, it, it happened the way it did. And, and you, you just start taking 
Okay, Germany obviously didn't do it. Russia obviously didn't do it. China is friends with Russia, so they didn't do it. The UK, they don't want the smoke. Japan's not even in the region. And then it kind of just leaves the U.S. there. So it's one of those things where it's just been bugging me lately. I kind of wish somebody that had a little bit larger voice than, than Steak for Breakfast. Tucker Carlson keeps touching on it every once in a while, but I wish he'd just kind of stick with it because this is big. This is like impeachment level big. But, you know, it seems like they just want to kind of talk about fentanyl, which is important, but it's just a, it's a microcosm of the actual problem on the border and, and stuff like crime in big cities, which we know isn't going to change until we get DAs and mayors out of there. But, you know, this thing is I think the Nord Stream Pipeline is something that because of the Chinese spy balloon, because of the train disasters, because of all the factories burning down to the ground and all the other stuff going on. Uh, well, oh. Russia, Ukraine, that's probably the big elephant in the room. Um, you know, this is kind of you know, flying under the radar, and I think it's a big opportunity that we're missing out on as far as, like, conservatives go. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's the one thing we've always failed at doing is unifying around causes that are at the core of our belief system. We always try to run on 10,000 separate lines of effort at the same time. And we generally end up failing at many of them. What we need to do is unify around not just Ukraine and Russia, not just the border, and not just uh, the wasteful spending and the America Last agenda, but we also need to unify around and push forward the Nord Stream 2 mm-hmm. um, matter. And I know right now front and center this entire week has been the revelations in the Jan 6 videos, um, which is a good start, but they should be released to everybody. So all the online sleuths have access to digest and investigate this because it's the only way we're going to get it all out there. So <clears throat> everyone's tied up with that right now. And then, of course, you have the distractions from the Georgia grand jury and the four person violating the law and just running her mouth yep. um, on national TV, which I can't believe happened. But of course, I guess it's no surprise. And I doubt any judge down there will actually do anything to her. Uh, but these distractions ginned up by the weaponization of the judicial system and the radical left-wing media are what they've always been good at and they allow them to intercede in our lines of effort that we need to focus on nord stream the border fentanyl china russia iran and oh by the way let's not forget afghanistan and the rise of al-qaeda and the amount of money and weaponry we are sending to ukraine is almost tragically to say dwarfs what we sent initially to afghanistan after 9 11 that people don't realize the amount of money and weaponry that have been sent there require manpower and right now we're getting away with it by sending u.s government contractors which is just a fancy way for saying former military guys so they're saying we don't have boots on the ground there we don't have boots on the ground in the ukraine in a year because joe biden wants to go to europe and not talk about peace he wants to talk about war yeah um the war machine that's what happens when you send missiles, missile defense systems, tanks, and millions of rounds of ammunition. Those are the, the you know, recipe. Those are the ingredients for war. That's not our ingredient for, hey, let's have a summit and talk peace. And then when Putin goes and pulls out of the START Treaty, um, putting us closer to nuclear warfare, that's a step closer to global war. Yep. These are steps being taken intentionally by the Biden administration. And the left-wing media and the radical Democratic Party are going along with it and cheering it. Um, And it's as if they forgot what we lost in Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Syria, and Somalia. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's just so amazing how when when you kind of say it soberingly like that, how how much, how many different fires are going on in the world right now. And, And just because we all 
Russia, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine, no matter what, Putin's war, empty shelves, Putin's war, gas prices are up, Putin's war, 401k is gone, Putin's war. And it's like, oh, the border, we could blame that on, we'll figure out a way to blame it on him. <laughs> and it's just, no, it's the truth, but all mm-hmm. these other things are just smoldering, like, you know, Taliban selling all of our leftover equipment to... Wait, are, there, are there Russians coming in at the border? I heard there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Buttigieg blaming the train accident in Ohio on, on Trump, Trump, literally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how is that even possible? No, it's, uh, well, anything's possible with this uh, regime, you know, and you know that cash better than anybody else. They've made everybody's lives miserable. Uh, well, when you wish in one hand and milk yourself in the other. With the yeah. chest feeder? Oh, yeah. Cash, how big was it for Donald Trump to get out to East Palestine, Ohio, uh, earlier in the week and, and show some FaceTime, do the things that he's great at, being with the American people, that's what makes him happy, and it makes people feel a lot more safer and secure when he's out there doing, uh, you know, his Donald Trump thing. Look, that is the perfect example of the juxtaposition, how to juxtaposition the two, the two administrations, a Biden one and a Trump one. And what he did, he Trump did brilliantly is what he's always done. He's like, well, if our president isn't going to go there and I'm running for president again, I'm going to go there and tell the world and America what my priority would be were I in 1600 Pennsylvania right now. And Joe Biden has told the world what his priority is while he's currently the president. That is to fly overseas and far away, as far away as he possibly can, from America's problems, from America's tragedies, and from Americans. Donald Trump took the opposite course and said, I'm going to be on the ground. I've handed out water. I've handed out aid. I've shaken hands. I've talked to the community leaders. And just by focusing the MAGA America First lens on East Palestine, he is going to have an avalanche of money charity and whatnot flood behind him because so many americans like us will say hey how can we help how can we engage what can we do for the families the first responders what can we do for food and water what can we do for transportation there and what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again these are things our government should be doing but instead our government is blaming Buttigieg is blaming trump for a train disaster on his watch and joe biden is overseas creating World War III runways um, instead of fixing our rail system in America and providing for the American citizenry that's supposed to be his priority because the Democratic priority is wearing a blue and yellow pin, going on national TV, and taking expensive trips overseas funded by the government and promising our future generation's hard-earned wealth um, to foreigners, essentially. And we're not giving it to Americans. And I'm not saying foreigners should not receive american aid they should just after americans get it americans in need i.e the fifty-five thousand homeless veterans that is unacceptable to me and that two dozen of them take their lives every day that is an unacceptable tragedy to me and we are not giving them any money or aid or attention but we're giving billions billions of billions to ukraine and we're not doing anything uh for the people the government isn't for the people in east palestine and i think donald trump going there and showing force is the best way to shame the media to shame this administration and to show america you have a choice to make in 18 months you want four more years of this or do you want the four years of the trump america first movement that led us to such high um, levels of success for our country well that's it right there i mean you know and, and here's the thing everybody says like and, and a lot of people in the media are like, oh, don't say Joe Biden doesn't care about the United States and he went here or they went there or they're focused on this and that. Here's the fact of the matter. Donald Trump announced last week 
that he was going to be going to Ohio. And the Biden administration said, "Now nah, we'll just go after. We'll send Mayor Pete the day after. Mm. Maybe Joe Biden will go eventually. But the fact of the matter is that they really don't care. It's their agenda, their mm-hmm. talking points, regime media, down your throat, 24-7, everything's fine, and nothing in between. Which, uh, you know, we'll probably be getting dissected and chopped up a lot next week when you're at CPAC. Last thing I want to touch with you on, it's kind of like a two-pronger. You just wrapped up the sixth season of Cash's Corner on the Epoch Times, hitting all the government gangsters from mm-hmm. all angles, and you're probably going to be hitting on a lot of those points in addition to what's going on with Trump 2024 next week at CPAC. What can you tell our listenership in a little bit of a preview? Yeah, I can't believe it's been six seasons. Um, <laughs> it's a wild ride, uh, yeah. but it was, it's been fun. We'll be back in a few weeks uh, for season seven on Cash's Corner. Um, but basically, look, we try to do, you know, a simple thing for the American public. We try to message on national security, intelligence, defense, and law enforcement. And we put it all together and we try to tell the American people based on facts and not hyperbole and lies, what is happening and what can happen and what did happen under the Trump administration. And I'm glad we're running into CPAC next week because that's sort of the last layer that needs to be folded in, which is politics, which is not necessarily my wheelhouse, but president Trump is going to be speaking And I look forward to hearing his comments. And I think you're going to hear more than just a campaign speech. You're going to hear uh, him talk about his trip to East Palestine. You're going to hear him talk about our service members and how he puts them and Americans first. And you're going to hear the failures of what Biden has been doing by putting the aid to Ukraine before aid to Americans first. And I'm very excited to hear those things and other matters that I know your audience caught him at Club 47 now as it's called Mm. uh down in palm beach where he was basically highlighting what he did and what he will do as president and it's best summed up in the america first movement so we've got a lot of fun stuff going on at cpac fight with cash is going to have a massive crowd and uh we've got um golf activities i wish you guys were going to be there Mm. but i know you have more important things to do so um, for anyone that wants to stop by go to fightwithcash.com um, and we'll be there in full force uh, talking about government gangsters. We're going to have a great new line of merchandise. And remember, all of that money goes right back to the foundation. Um, we have donated over $100,000 so far, and we're going to look to 10x that this year. And that's the whole point. And, and we're going to give some money to the folks in East Palestine that need it. And that's the whole point. If you guys know anyone out there that's listening that needs financial assistance because of the tragedy that has um, befallen them, in East Palestine or anywhere else in America, Fight With Cash, our 501c3 foundation is here for you. Go to the website, fightwithcash.com with a K. Check us out. All the content is free. All the steak and elk for breakfast is free. <laughs> um, but uh, it's our greatest mission, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it with you guys. And I hope to see some of you live at CPAC. And one of these days, we're going to get steak for breakfast to make a public appearance. It'll happen. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. We're live linking the... Uh Foundation, of course, Cash. We're also going to live link the show, so anyone that's not already listening to Cash's Corner can get in there. I tell you what, you've got the best damn Chewbacca in the game with Jan. He he, he hammers you with, with the, his <laughs> he follow-up questions are, are awesome, and uh, he, he you guys do a really good job with that. It's it's a good source of information. You get to hear a lot of the characters from you know prior administrations and people that are still lurking around that you might not know by you know they're not the press sex, they're not the people who are on TV all the time, but they're worse in a lot of different ways. 
ways, and you kind of break it down. I don't want to spoil it too much for our listenership. Where can we find you on social media? We'll live link that in the show description today as well. As always, one place, Truth Social, at K-A-S-H, at Cash on Truth Social. If you think you're following me anywhere else, you're not. And here's a, le- here's a closing message I have. People always ask me this. <clears throat> what can we do? What can we do to help Donald Trump and the Republicans win going forward? And I ask, how many of you are on Twitter, Facebook, Google, and whatever else there is? And mostly everyone raises their hands. And now we're able to definitively tell these people all of those companies helped rig an election against your president and against the Republican majority in the Senate and an even greater Republican majority in Congress in the House. Why are we supporting companies that take government money, our money, and use it against us to suffocate our free speech and rig presidential and congressional elections? It simply just cannot be the day anymore. And so my challenge going forward to everybody is I don't care what you use. But just knowingly you knowing, know that when you ask me what you can do, the simplest thing is not help our government and the private sector rig elections so that we have another round of Joe Biden. Seems pretty simple enough. Mm-hmm. Cash, we'll be looking to circle back with you sometime later in the month or in April. Yeah. We wish you the uh, safest of travels as you're going to be heading out to CPAC. And uh, like I said, we'll be catching up with you again soon. This is the former chief of staff to the DOD. Great friend. Oh, for breakfast, enjoy. Or Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Jens. Have a great weekend. Take care. Closing out the week strong. What do you think, Noah? Outstanding. Sure was. If you enjoyed this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and you want to hear the now over 200 other editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, or even in the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it leave a review and don't forget to download listen like follow and share steak for breakfast content show creds go to all of our amazing guests today former chief of staff to the dod true social board member elk for breakfast enjoyer mr cash patel dr peter Mercoa, and john leak we appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy schedules to come down and uh make our show the amazing product that you're now listening to speaking of which friends Amazing products. Don't forget to go out and support our sponsors with your hard-earned cash. The only thing that happens when you do that is you help make small American businesses great again, namely my pillows. I don't know why you wouldn't want the version 2.0s. I gotta get one. I haven't tried it yet. Delicious. In addition, they've got a veritable plethora of other things that Mike Lindell is slanging to make your life a little bit more luxurious and comfy. In a promo code stake here, you're gonna get the savings that you deserve. If you're more of a morning curse person, my coffee has been launched. It's available in the bean bag and pod in a promo code steak in the my store. 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak. If you want the pillows, if you want some coffee, mystore.com forward slash steak. Or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned can only be found at Odyssey. If you're in the studio recording some tracks, dropping beats, maybe even podcasting, get the ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram as well. Man rubs. No man rubs last night. Going on a little bit of a vacay for the next couple days either. So no man rubs in my future, but guess what? You can always bring it along. It's always in my heart. And a promo code stake here. You're getting 15% off your order. Manrubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company. These things are legit, to say the least. 
and a promo code STAKE, 15% off every order. Over 100 bucks free shipping, $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. And our newest partner, Farmer Bill's Premium Beef Jerky. You enter promo code STAKE here. They've got a very large selection. You're getting $5 off your order. You order a 12-pack of jerky, you're getting free shipping. Check them out at FarmerBill'sProvisions.com. Upcoming shows. Let's see, we got Alan Dershowitz, the Raleigh Nationalist, and Mark Mitchell, the man behind Rasmussen Polling, will be joining us on Tuesday. Kicking off March, Devin Nunes is coming in on the 7th. Jake Denton's going to be here on the 10th. And I don't know why they always link up for the same shows, even though they swear they don't talk to each other about it. Christina Bob, Liz Harrington, they'll be joining us on the 14th. Got a bunch of other guests just lining up right now. Let's see. All of our congressional friends will be coming in. Uh, I've reached out to Ronna McDaniel and Harmeet Dillon. They both assured us they'd be, be joining us in the month of March. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I've got a big old list of people that I'm just waiting to hear back on. CPAC's next week. So right after that Boomer Fest is over, we'll uh, get our schedule all ship shape for you guys. Friends of the week. Got the list right in front of me here. Let's see. From our various social medias, I've got Ian Vega, Spoopy, Janelle, William S., and Ghost Hammer. Thank you. True Social's got some t- call me Tim79, always sharing our stuff. Love it, love him. And our True Social Twitch streamer crew, Beastie Man 420, CSM Master, Siberian Kitten, always sharing steak for breakfast content. And then the meme team. The biggest shares of the week come from these accounts and these accounts only. The Silent Meme Majority, Mostly Peaceful Memes, Right Wing Savages, 3.0, John Hacker LA, Man of America, Prison Mitch, or Midnight Mitch, Edward Russell, and the typical liberal shared a couple of our steak for breakfast uh, posts this week. That's nice. a that's a pretty big account. They got almost three million followers. Yeah, I like that one. So do I. Uh, you know what else I like is the things that you need to do between now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. China, Russia. Nobody thought it would happen. It's like the nerd and the uh, captain of the cheer team. Mm. Now they're getting together, and it's very scary. Or you might want to do a little bit of rabbit holding and go check out the Nord Stream Two pipeline. Number two, start a podcast. Yep, not too bad. Love it. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. I don't know if you guys noticed. We started with a little Donald Trump, sprinkled him throughout the course of the podcast, finished with a little Cash Patel. That is talking about American greatness. We don't do it enough. We need to start doing it on a more frequent basis. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 216 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back to 17 on Tuesday. We're going to have Mark Mitchell of Rasmussen Polling, the Raw Egg Nationalist, talking about his last two articles, and big-time attorney Alan Dershowitz joining us. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and take care. I'm not one to pry into a man's personal affairs, but exactly... How is it that you came to be way out here without a horse or boots or a hat? Well, my car horse broke down and, and a bear ate my boots and I guess I just forgot my hat. How could you forget a thing like your hat?